We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. Usually it's Andrew Freeman, my co-host on here, but as you guys know, we're doing a little mini series here where we're bringing on beat writers from various college football programs around the country to sit them down and talk to them about how those respective teams are doing. Listen, we already previewed Mississippi State with Chrissy Ford. Go check that one out. We've done Alabama with Nick Kelly as well, but for the third one, we've got... Cole Topham joining us. But before we get into introductions, you guys know me. I'm Usaid Koshal, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. But joining me today is someone that really kind of helped me get my start in media and journalism. He is a beat reporter for the Arizona Sun the Arizona State Sun Devils writing for Devils Digest, which is part of the Rivals Network. You can, fo- you can follow him on Twitter at Ham Analysis, but I'm excited to have Cole Topham in the house here today. Cole, what's going on? I know it's been a while, but how are things going in Arizona? Dude, they're going great. I'm headed back there in about five days because, you know, football camp is starting up and it's probably like the most anticipated season in Sun Devil history for I, at least 20 years. So longer than I've been alive. So I'm really excited to be part of something special with Devil's Digest and covering this season, especially because we don't know if we're going to get any more football seasons after this year. So uh, we're kind of just, you know, taking it day by day. It was crazy, you know, you referring to me as a beat reporter. I've never been referred to that, uh, you know, before this uh, for this year. But I guess that's there's some there's some truth to that. Well, I think when you're on the ground covering a team, you certainly are a beat reporter in a lot of ways because, I mean, you're there 24-7 pretty much. And I have to say this. I mean, a lot of the national media, when you just look at this industry, they do rely on a lot of the local media to provide coverage as the national media does their own research for games each week, but let's just get right into it because I know you were at Pac-12 Media Day this past Tuesday, and again, we're recording this on Friday, July 30th, but 
Herm Edwards, I had a chance to meet Herm, I want to say five or six years ago. I have to say he's a really cool laid back guy. And this was about the time that he was working for ESPN as an NFL analyst before he took over for Arizona State. But was there anything that Coach Edwards said that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think Herm was placed in a unique position with this NCAA investigation sort of floating above his head, where I don't think many coaches would be able to handle the type of questions that he got and, you know, the type of reception um, that's surrounding Arizona State at the moment. You know, I think he just handled everything with a smile, you know, just said he couldn't comment on everything. Uh, But there were no moments where you felt like Herm was you know, out of control or anything like Herm is a man of the people. He's a man of the culture. And I think that's why his players love him and why he's so like beloved by um, the local media, at least Uh, I can't speak for the national media, but the local media in Arizona state, um, they love him. Uh, And it it just speaks to, you know, the type of person that he is. And the, the biggest takeaway from his press conference was when he spoke on diversity in, um, you know, just not only college football, but sports in general. And that the reporter that asked him the question about diversity, you know, he asked him, you know, what does it mean to be one of four black coaches in the Pac-12? You know, one of the conferences that has, you know, some of the most uh, people of color in coaching positions um, across college football. And he responded sort of candidly saying, you know, this shouldn't be a topic that I should have to address. Like this should just be normal. This should just be accepted. And I hope I don't have to, you know, speak on that significance in the future. So there were some really powerful words that were said there, um, you know, danced around the, the topic of, of the investigation, and everything, but mostly the, the, the common theme was the team is looking ahead, looking forward to the season and they're just trying to make the most of it. Herb is certainly a player's coach, but he's also one of those guys that I think is just very serious. And that's why I think it's so easy to buy into what he's building at Arizona state. And clearly when we talk about building at Arizona state, I mean, what are the main pieces there? The core pieces quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Now, if you look at his 2019 season compared to his 2020 season production wise, production was down in 2020, but that was just across the board for pretty much. It seemed like every college football player because of COVID. And again, the Pac-12 was one of those that didn't even kick off until I think late November, but what are some of Jaden Daniels' strengths and weaknesses as quarterback as he heads into year three? Well, I mean, I, I think right off the bat, let's address that because Arizona State only played four games last season. Four games in a possible seven-game schedule, so they were already going to play less college football than you know the rest of the, the, the country. And between you know, the first or sorry, the second and the third games, because, you know, they they obviously took it to the last stretch against USC. But between between USC and UCLA, they had a 30 day stretch where the team was essentially shut down due to COVID. There was a COVID outbreak on the team and and Herm Edwards, you know, got it. Some, some of the players that obviously weren't disclosed in the media probably got it. And so, th- you know, that it takes a measure on the program and the fact that they were able to still come back after that setback and then, you know, play a close game against UCLA at home. Once again, you know, a month removed from practice. And then they, their last two games of the season against their rival, you know, the Arizona Wildcats, and then a last minute scheduled road game against Oregon state, they were both decisive victories. And so I think that speaks to the measure of this team, the talent on the team, Um, you know, all the four-star prospects that they have and what they're looking forward to this season 
but Jaden Daniels, you say his numbers are down and, 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 you know, he's not really viewed in the top conversation of the nation's top quarterbacks um, because of those numbers. But we got to remember that this is a player that still is, is fairly, fairly young and fairly new and, and, and developing. Uh, I mean, he, he's not even 200 pounds at the position yet. He's like 197. That's what he said at Pac-12 Media. But I can tell you that Jaden Daniels is a smart and collected quarterback. He doesn't lose composure out there. He isn't a quarterback that makes, you know, these boneheaded decisions on the field. He's very collected. Um, you know, he's smart with the legs, with his legs. He you know, doesn't make any drastic decisions running the ball. And yeah, he's just composed out there. And so it's all about just building up Jaden Daniels while this new supporting cast um, develops with him. And I think this is the season that a lot of people are pointing towards where he puts it all together. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Daniels is going to be one of the most exciting quarterbacks to watch over the next two seasons because when we look ahead to the 2022 NFL draft, I mean, we know we have Sam Howell from UNC and you have Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, but then you have these dark horse guys or these wild cards, I should say. Take a Malik Willis, take a Carson Strong from Nevada, Matt Coral from I believe he's at all Miss, but Jaden Daniels, you know, isn't being mentioned amongst any of those guys. Should he declare? Now, I do think he's probably going to be QB1 if he declares in the 2023 NFL draft. But getting back to Arizona State here, I mean, just with the team in general, what do you think is the strongest positional group on the roster? And what do you think is the weakest positional group? I think it's probably going to be the running backs. The running backs were the backbone of the team last season. I mean, the they basically vaulted ASU to the top in scoring offense and in rushing offense. And it's because of Rashad White and Chip Trainum. Um, Rashad White was a junior transfer that the Arizona State Sun Devils got um, last season. And then Chip Trainum was an incoming four-star recruit. And so those two are sort of like the one-two punch, that NFL model that a lot of teams in college football are starting to adopt. Um, and just having a dynamic rushing game, and it was clear that that was going to be, you know, sort of the focal point of ASU's. I think they, I think they ran the ball 65% of the time last season or something crazy like that. So obviously they're looking to be a little bit more balanced. Um, weakness, I think you've got to point towards the tight end position, right? Just because ASU doesn't really ha- or hasn't really used their tight ends in the past, but you know, a season ago they got a new offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, who came in, he installed a new system. And throughout, you know, the past, the last two games they played of the 2020 season, we saw those tight ends getting a little bit involved more. 
And this preseason, we had um, – or ASU had a new tight end transfer, I think, from – I forget where Jalen Conyers went to – or transferred from. I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, a, a tight end transfer from Oklahoma. He came out in the spring preseason game and scored two touchdowns. So it's obvious that those two guys, um, Curtis Hodges and Jalen Conyers, are going to be a more focal point of the offense and should provide more looks for Daniels in that aspect – and just have a more balanced offensive attack, I think, is what the Sun Devils are going for in 2021. Well, you brought running backs up. I mean, I know you just did this awesome film breakdown article on running back Richard White. And he, I think, is going to burst onto the scene this year as an electric player because he averaged about 10 yards a carry last year, even though he only had yeah. 42 rushing attempts. But he was also a big play threat as a receiver, averaging about 19 yards a reception. Now, break that article down for us. What did you notice about Rashad White? And do you think he's going to develop into one of the faces of the Sun Devils offense? I mean, to be honest, I think he could develop into one of the faces of college football. Because I think Rashad White, you know, it, it's something about these Juco guys. We saw it with Brandon Ayuk. You know, a few a few seasons ago when he entered the Sun Devils offense that just these unknown commodities that just break, you know, break the bank and explode out of the scene. And I think Rashad White is another great example of that. He's slippery, man. He's he's fast. You know, he's got that receiving ability. So he's going to be an attractive prospect, you know, in the in the NFL draft. So I, I think Rashad White just has every tool to prove that he can be, you know, sort of that, you know, not workhorse role, but that that dynamic running back role. And yeah, I mean, White, he, and also you can deploy him like all over the field, right? You can deploy him in the slot if you need to be. He's effective on the goal line. Um, he has that grinded out mentality and he just evades tacklers. So I just, I don't think there's any really weakness in White's game at the moment, um, just because, you know, we haven't really seen too much of him and he's already made such a big impact in a short amount of time. And I feel like he is on the big, for a running back that has his play style, he is on a bit of the bigger side because I think he's about six to 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, both of them are, are kind of big. White is more of like the slasher style. Um, this, you know, the slippery guy and chip train is more of the, you know, bulldozer type running back. That's going to, you know, just put his head down and gain yards, but they're both like, you know, deceptively quick, you know, and, and fast and, and hard to bring down. So I think that's why they work so well together is that, People are expecting the Sun Devils to really put them into those those like traditional roles. But in reality, they're so much more versatile than that. I mean, White, you mentioned, is an emerging player on the roster. But are there any other players that would be considered emerging guys, players to keep an eye on heading into 2021 that could legitimately take another step and become a household name in college football or just someone that our listeners should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, man. It's all about the receiving game, right? Back to the whole, you know, balanced offensive attack. And here at Devil's Digest, my publisher, Hode Rubino, he put out an article that listed two X factors, one on offense, one on defense, that will be critical to the Sun Devil's success in 2021. And so the X factor on offense was LV Bunkley Sheldon. He's a four-star recruit, you know, out of California, SoCal. Um, and he led the team in receptions last season. I think he was only wide receiver to crack 100 receiving yards in those four games. And so, you know, LV kind of established that early rapport with Jaden Daniels early on because, you know, Frank Darby, who was drafted in the sixth round by the Atlanta Falcons, you know, he didn't really, 
he suffered a rib injury against USC and then wasn't really all that involved for the rest of the season. I think he caught a touchdown against UCLA, but after that, it was clear he was headed for the NFL draft. And Daniels was sort of working with these younger, inexperienced pass catchers. And LV was sort of the guy that, you know, stepped up to the big stage. And so I think expectations for LV is going to, are going to be, you know, way higher in year two. Like that, that connection with Daniels has got to be, you know, something bigger, something that we saw, you know, Darby and, and Daniels established, you know, in, in last or two seasons ago and, and, and Daniels and, and Ayuk the year Ayuk got drafted. And so LB Monkley Sheldon X factor for the Sun Devils. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, he's only a, a freshman with the NCAA's eligibility, eligibility freeze, but see his name in a couple of years on top of draft boards for sure. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We've talked a lot about the offensive side of the ball between wide receivers, running backs, the quarterback. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Do you Tell me why... People should be keeping an eye on cornerback Chase Lucas as well as linebacker Merlin Robertson. I mean, Chase Lucas, he's a fifth-year senior. He grew up in Chandler, played football, you know, high school football there, came to his hometown program, and he came back because he really feels like this, like this is the team to bring home a championship, a Rose Bowl, um, you know, just some of the, the upper echelon of the Pac-12 honors. I think the biggest thing Chase Lucas has worked on over his five years is becoming more of that vocal leader. Um, I remember talking to him in the locker room. I think it's now two springs ago, which is crazy to, crazy to say because I was a freshman at the time. But Lucas was saying he was working on becoming a more vocal leader and calling out guys and holding them accountable at practice in a role that he wasn't really um, used to. And so those, these past two years, we've seen sort of seen Lucas transform into that, into that guy. I think he said at Pac-12 Media, that's going to fight you, right? If, if, he's a, if, if you're not, you know, ascribing to the mentality that they're trying to set, you know, that NFL pro model in, in Arizona or at, at Arizona State. And so, yeah, I mean, Chase Lucas, he really just hasn't a season. He doesn't have a season where he's put it all together. And I think that's what a lot of these guys are looking for is that one statement season that they can capitalize, you know, their draft stack on. What about linebacker Merlin Robertson? Because I know, and I forget the exact name of the award, but I know he was named on some watch list, correct? I mean, all of the guys were, were named on watch list for their respective positions. And I think Merlin Robertson, what, what, he, I mean, he was great at forcing turnovers last season, um, and he was a huge, you know, focus for, for the linebacker core um, in that respect. And I think what we're going to see 
from Merlin Robinson is more of those, you know, stunt blitzes where the Sun Devils will just gonna are gonna keep you guessing on defense, right? Uh, Antonio Pierce, our defensive coordinator, he designed a new scheme where he put four men up front, and so it's a four three, a four three four look or a four two five look. Um, so it's kind of out of line of the traditional Sun Devil, you know, three three five defense that was established back in the day, and so. Over those four games, we didn't really see the linebackers involved too much, you know, in the pass rush aspect. They didn't have a much production. They didn't have much production that way. And so I think for Merlin Robinson, what we're going to see him play is a more versatile role, you know, in that linebacker spot where, you know, he's going to, you know, hawk the middle of the field, but also you're going to see him, you know, try some, you know, creative blitzes, you know, up the middle and off the edge. Let's switch over from Arizona State to the NFL. And I know you and I go back on Twitter at least a couple times a week. But oh, yeah. you, you certainly, you had some Bears tweets. And obviously, when bringing you on here, because we are a Bears website and a Bears-centered podcast, I had to ask you, I'm going to ask you about them. But one of your tweets was about how Aaron Rodgers' departure, even though he's back for 2021, he's likely gone in 2022, it comes at a perfect time for the Bears because right now you could argue that with Justin Fields under center, the Bears do have the brightest future of all the NFC North teams. But your tweet was pretty much this, that in Chicago, the focus in 2021 needs to be on two things facilitating a breakout season for wide receiver Darnell Mooney and then developing Justin Fields. So why do you think Mooney's breakout is a top priority? And then what are your expectations for Justin going into 2021? Well, I think for Mooney, it's for two reasons, right? Is one to establish another threat outside of Allen Robinson. So that defenses have to worry about, because I think it's fair to say Robinson has been, you know, that offense the last two seasons, obviously the, the running game has been, you know, developed, but it seems like Matt Nagy kind of forgets about that <laughs> at points in the game. And so it's more just like, you know, feed the rock to Robinson for, you know, I, I want to say like 60% of the bears plays. And so just having another threat that defenses have to worry about, it's going to open up more looks for Robinson and just expand the offense's potential right? Especially because you're trying to develop just fields at the same time, you know, fields, it, it's nice to have that, you know, number one target that you can rely on, but you want fields to be comfortable with all of his options moving forward. But that being said, moving forward, we don't even know if Allen Robinson is going to be part of this team, right? I mean, ideally the bears would want him back after the season, but they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to keep him. And so facilitating that Darnell Mooney breakout is just the best case you know, scenario, if Robinson does leave for another team next off season, that way you, you have an established credit, credible wide receiver threat in Mooney to work, you know, forward with, with, uh, you know, with, with the future and just make sure fields has a reliable option to target. Yeah. I'm going to be realistic with Darnell Mooney. I mean, he had about 63 or 64 receptions as a rookie and, I know all the attention went to wide receivers like Justin Jefferson. And for Bears fans, I mean, they do get a little bit antsy when someone on the national media just doesn't give a player on their team credit that Bears fans think they deserve. But I'll be brutally honest, Darnell Mooney was great last season. Justin Jefferson, though, was even better, which is why Darnell kind of wasn't being talked about enough. And naturally, it's just the way that the NFL goes. I mean, first-round picks, when they're performing at a high level as a rookie like Justin Jefferson was last year, they're going to get a hell of a lot more hype. And there's going to be so much more talk about those first round rookies than a guy that was drafted in the fifth round, but yeah, it's only natural, to, right? 
Right. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this 2020 and this 2021 wide receiver class, how their careers shake up because the two classes are just, they were so deep that, you know, it's going to have an impact on the NFL's wide receivers for the next decade or so. But switching over here from Moody and Justin Fields, let's talk the red rifle. I mean, what are your thoughts on Andy Dalton as a starter in Chicago? And do you think he's someone that could hold the fort down? I think it's fine. I think Dalton in that role. Yeah. I think he is a person to sort of close down the hatches at least to begin the season. Right. Because I think, you know, throwing to the field, throwing fields to the wolves, throwing any rookie quarterback to the wolves, isn't really a good idea because we've seen so many times where, you know, rookie quarterbacks, they don't really perform up to the expectations of fans early on. And then, you know, they sort of lose that confidence aspect and they got like the whole weight of the city on their shoulders. It's just not a good scenario for, you know, a young signal caller. And so I think Andy Dalton is a good type of person, you know, to take over that role early, provide some mentorship um, and just, take away that pressure of, Hey, you need to come in and take the reins immediately from me. And so I think, I think Andy Dalton can hold the fourth down. I think he can win some games for the bears, but obviously the future is Justin Fields. The faster that he is able to get on the field and perform at a high level, the better for the bears. And while a lot of Twitter wants to see fields start immediately, I'm okay with seeing Dalton play a few games. It, you know, in the best interest of fields development. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I've said this all off season and this just goes way back to January when I started, or at least on this podcast, when we started talking about the quote, the five quarterbacks that were going to be drafted in round one in 2021 is the sense and it's not just exclusive to Justin Fields. It's any quarterback, but when you're drafting a quarterback, it's not a four to five year investment on that for the rookie contract that these guys are on. It's a 15 to 20 year investment. And so if it means losing games in 2021 and losing games for a year, but then winning for the next 19 to 20 seasons, you know what? That is totally okay as well. Cause with a quarterback, I mean, it's always better to take the long-term and, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race rather than just being so quick. But last one here, because Justin, I feel like, Flipping all the way to 11th overall, it was contingent on a lot of factors. But what were your thoughts on him as a quarterback prospect at Ohio State? You know, early on, I had sort of the same thoughts that everyone had about Fields, that he, you know, played in a structured system, you know, relied on his first read a lot, and obviously, you know, has the arm talent and, you know, the decision-making, but, you know, never really, you know, put it together on the national stage until this season. And then I started diving deeper into the film and I started to see him more as a polished, you know, signal caller. And a lot of people on, on Twitter, you know, they changed my focus on fields. But at the end of the day, I saw fields making throws that, you know, basically are the blueprint, right, for the modern day NFL quarterback that is athletic, you know, has a strong arm and is able to keep it together mentally, which I think you can agree with me. You know, Mitchell Trubisky has had like every single tool to become 
a quality starting quarterback in the league, but he could just never put it together up here. Right. It was, it was all in his head and just that confidence aspects was not there and fields that hasn't been an issue with him at Ohio state. Right. I mean, he's always been, you know, the man there and, and he's, you know, led one of the most effective passing offenses in the country. I, and I think in college football history. And so he brings that to the Chicago bears, right? He brings that confidence and he brings that mentality and he has, you know, that athleticism to get him out of sticky situations. And he has the arm strength to, to work with, you know, the talented receivers the Bears have on on his roster right now. And obviously, you know, Fields has has played with a lot of, you know, great players over his, you know, college football career. I mean, Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson are probably going to be both first-round prospects next April. Um, but what I saw in Fields was somebody, you know, that wasn't going to break down, you know, is has a strong work ethic and is just a a blueprint for the modern-day NFL quarterback that, you know, maybe had had some issues in college. Played in a structured offense, yes, but everything that you can't teach was there, and so it's it's all about just developing, you know, those you know abilities in his in his first year, so he can come out, you know, guns blazing in, in his second and third seasons. Yeah, I, I mean, going back to Mitch Trubisky here, I think look, it's very clear to me that when you look at a lot of these prospects, we see the phenomenal athlete on tape, we see great football players, but when you move from college to the NFL, it's more so about the mental game because the Mm -hmm. game just speeds up and you're in a situation where a window or a pocket, you know, a throwing window or a throwing lane that you might've been accustomed to being open for five seconds in college, all of a sudden that time now cuts in half and is like two and a half seconds or even like two seconds or even like one and a half second. And you just have to learn to play at a faster speed. And that's why we're seeing more and more NFL offenses are just adding so much more speed to the offense. And just the pressure, right? I mean, Trubisky had 12 starts in college, not at a traditionally, what you think of it traditionally as a football school. And Fields, he's played in in numerous big title games, right? He's had pressure basically since he was in high school as one of the top recruits in the country. And now he comes into a situation where he was a first-round draft pick, number 11 overall, you know, and and that pressure is sort of taken away in his first season. Like, I think this is the best-case scenario for Fields, where he doesn't feel like he needs to come in and be the savior for the Bears immediately. And so there's no pressure in his first season unless something, you know, happens drastic happens to Andy Dalton early on um, which obviously wouldn't be ideal but I think you would feel confident that Fields you know has the tangibles to take over that offense and and be productive with it right and so I think that's the biggest thing that I see with Fields I see a guy that's adept to or a guy that is adept to adapt to the pressure of the NFL he's been quoted countless times this offseason or a couple times I should say just saying, hey, there's no pressure on me because I do expect myself to be great. And I think it's a perfect fit because you have a school that a lot of people, they look at the Buckeyes and they say, oh, well, the Buckeyes have sent quality talent at every position in the NFL except for the quarterback. And then you have a franchise that's never developed a franchise quarterback. And so it's kind of like a perfect fit here is I really think what Fields and the Bears are. And I was at, like I said, I was at Bears camp today, man, and I do not, I think Bears fans still don't understand the caliber of a quarterback that Justin Fields is because as good as he was with 60 touchdowns and nine interceptions, he is still only going to get better from here on out. 
Yeah, and I think the people that just look at history to define their decisions for the future, right? I mean, obviously, there's, I think, recent stats as, a po- as opposed to historical stats are, are more important, right? And so, I mean, does, I mean, did anyone care, right? Like what the, what like the Browns did, you know, before Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, like Baker Mayfield came in and he turned that culture around, right? Baker Mayfield said, I'm going to be that guy, you know, to turn that franchise around. And he did. And so I think, I mean, no one, this is the Baker Mayfield area era of Cleveland as a top contender in the AFC. And so nobody's going to be like, Oh, Browns is going to Browns are going to Browns anymore. Cause it's, it's, there's proof that this Cleveland team is legit. Yeah. And one of the modern things we have to understand is that you, you have to look at trends and analytics, all the numbers that are playing a much bigger role in, I would say every single sport today, rather than just looking at, well, this is past history. This is what happened in the past. And so this is how it's going to shape the course of the future. But the analytics are certainly such an intriguing side of it. But hey, Cole, listen, this has been fun. Tell our listeners one more time where they can follow you on Twitter and find your work. Yeah, you can find me at Ham Analysis. You know, I provide a little game film review and breakdowns on there. Um, You can check me out on TikTok as well at that same handle. Um, A lot of good video content coming your way. And it's going to heat up this season. And like I said, I'm going to be at fall camp um, for Arizona State in about five days. And you can find my work on Rivals at ArizonaState.Rivals.com. Lots of good information coming your way regarding, you know, one of the top programs in the Pac-12 South at the moment. Guys, definitely go follow Cole because while his verse, his background right now includes, or his main thing right now, I should say, is Arizona State football. Listen, he provides year-round scouting content as well as fantasy football analysis. He's kind of like Fields Yates 2.0, who I know Fields follows you on Twitter. But That's listen, my idol, man. That's the guy right there. Mm-hmm. that's so awesome i love field stuff as well but listen guys that's gonna do it from us before we get out of here make sure you're following me on twitter at usaid kosho follow the bear report on twitter at bear report make sure you rate review and subscribe five stars to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms if you do so maybe we'll go ahead and give you guys a shout out and also follow picks for pace on twitter at picks for pace i'm going to be running that social media account throughout the college season guys so it's going to be tons of coverage and scouting breakdowns but that's going to do it for this episode. We will catch you guys next week when Andrew's officially going to be back and we'll have a analyzer, an analyst from Notre Dame on to preview the Fighting Irish 2021 football season. But until then, bear down.